down at him and, you know, mm -hmm. letting him know there's two in the room that can make a mess. Now there's no... Ooh. There's two in the room that can make a mess. <laughs> That's uh, kind of funny. Uh, yeah. But it, <laughs> it was dumb. So episode eight is uh, immediately preceding episode seven because that's how numbers work. Um, the next few episodes come hard and fast, and it's basically a way to get our party from here, where they are in Jury, to the south. Can you guys talk through really quick? I want to skip through the hows and just get to the why, and then we can get to the south. What was the rationale behind going to the south? Uh, because uh, my... I had actually, I don't remember if it was a vision or something, but I have seen, there was something inside Ooh. of that tapestry that was a cultural symbology that my people, I was aware mm -hmm. of. And the fact that that was a thing was like a, the only real lead that we had in relation to that tapestry, knowing that it was of some significant importance. This is the first, you're, okay, that's right. So this is the first vision that Harbeck has of the tyrant Ornella. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Those were fucking crazy. And a, a chitin Orzok. Yes. Yeah. Um, Orzok that has been, like, crab preacherified, but, like, in my brain, the way it worked is that Orzok's will was so strong that he would, he would be unwilling to become fully a crab preacher. He would still, like, exist, but in this altered, um, corrupted way. I think later I imagined it as part of his, like, totem... Uh, transformation. Yeah. Mm. Like his, his totem would be the crab preacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fuck. That's crazy. It's great. Great idea, <clears throat> Tim. Thanks. Um, so, so we have Harbeck's flash or, um, dream of yeah. a tyrant Ornella who rules over Alal In now. Yes. And wakes up to you all getting ready to move out in the next leg of your adventure to head south. Yes. Which was really to get a hold of Orzok's people. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah, it was about the idea that there was some sort of history and understanding of some, like, kind of like end time and birth, you know, like the beginning and the end of the universe, like creation myths and stuff that we had. And it really tied into what the symbology was in the, in the, in the tapestry. In the tapestry. Yep. Yeah. So the, um, We, uh, there's some encounters in the city. You talk to Kalo Fell and um, go on about, well, here's the plan. I'll meet you down there. I have to prepare my armies. Right. And, and we're actually assigned, um, the queen is sending more men and more armies to the south anyway, so we'll, we'll meet you down there. But you go ahead of us and check things out. Yeah, and we needed to get down there because we wanted to make sure that if a large group of northerners showing up in armor and weapons, mm -hmm. that it didn't just immediately turn we into a buffer. complete explosion. So we were, yeah, we were the buffer. We were the the cultural vanguard. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we were the diplomacy. Right, right. Uh, so uh, a fun little behind-the-scenes <clears throat> nug that I'll give to the audience Dang is that nug. at this point, like, I started keeping track of things like Varantoid's plot was kind of on a timeline. And so every few episodes I would have like something that changed within the timeline. And this is the first timeline entry that I put and summarizing, um, Toyd is headed to the town of Mosh, which is one of the, uh, Northern cities mm -hmm. in the kingdom and begin. And he is beginning to cultivate the last defenders of a law, uh, over to his cause. It is essential for him to have a sizable force when the, um, Lumen Scourge invade. His goal is to have a large concentrated force um, to attack the matriarch so quickly that they overwhelm the defenders and become the um, people in charge. Um, Varantoid is now living um, uh, among the people and using his creature Shadow to influence the army, instilling them with paranoia over being left while the rest of the forces seek victory to the south. And this was the idea to create this divide between the teal guard. Cause obviously they wouldn't just betray the crown for no reason. Right. So like creating this incentive to be like, well, maybe the queen is full of shit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's basically what he's doing in the background while you guys all go South. Hmm. Episode eight, um, was a journey aboard Mr. Favreau's, uh, 
ship. Yes. Yeah. The salty the s- boobs. The salty boobs. Once again, I'm great with names. <laughs> you planned that, you motherfucker. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is where we kind of figure out travel time from where you are to um, to get to the south. There's another pre-episode Harbeck flashback. Um, this one is... Is this yes? This is the one with Cliff. Yeah. So this was the one where I I had Cliff ahead of time record responses to yeah, questions. That was cool. So cool. Yeah. So up to this point, Cliff is our narrator. Yeah. Okay. Let can we let's touch on that yeah. for a second. Oh man. Please, go ahead, Tim. Oh, so uh, Cliff is uh, the voice of uh, Des Moines and Dragons. He intros every episode, and he has recorded the intro recap for every episode up to this point. And it was Paul's idea to be able to bring, break that fourth wall and bring that narrator into the world of the story. And uh, Cliff is a very talented voice actor. He does a lot of voice work and, you know, uh, raps and record albums. So we definitely wanted him to be a part of the project. He was already a part of Chowdown, so he was in that collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We, we get this dream sequence and we get to establish we're, we're at the the outer shell of how does this universe work we're getting creation myths from the Barabundi and from the tapestry and then we're we're getting uh, the role that Cliff plays in this narrative it's like you're hearing this voice you're hearing this character what who is this person what role do they actually play and being able to uh, ground that into the physics of the world and the magic. And I, I just, I thought that that was so great because it, it was another way of um, weaving the tapestry together, of bringing all those threads so that there's not just some loose end that like, oh, th- you know, it's this thing, but don't think about it too hard. Yep. Uh, Cliff comes in and he is an established character with a stat block and everything and he's got magical powers. Yeah, so he, up until this point, like you said, it's just kind of been the a voice. voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I thought more about it, and like some of the really great stories that I love have <clears throat> narrators that are. What were you drawing from for this? Um, what comes I, to mind. In, I don't. I'm trying to think. So, unreliable narrators. I guess really the thing that I thought of first um, was a. Not quite obscure video game, but I'm sure a video game not a ton of people played. But Dragon Age 2 was the sequel to the first game, Dragon Age, which was this very stereotypical RPG, fantasy, RPG. fantasy mm-hmm. hack and slash game. The second game was really, it was bad in a lot of ways, but something it did in the story, which was cool, was that it was telling the story of this hero of this city. And the story was told in chunks through a character that you know in the story that is being interrogated by another character mm-hmm. you know later. And I I always thought that was an interesting way to kind of bridge the gap between exposition yeah. and, and story. And this, this again plays into the original idea that we talked about where we're going to throw everything at you and you're going to have to deal with it and make your own decision. That like this person who you thought was the objective arbiter of truth and the narrator yeah. who would tell you what this story is and what you should care about is actually a character who has stakes and has motivations right. and bias. Well, and suddenly the narrator can doesn't have to be objective anymore. Right. He can be excited when right. the party is successful and right. sad when the party is defeated. And that brings its own energy. It, it shakes like your foundations. Uh-huh. It shakes your truth and what you thought you were fighting for and the certainty you had that this will work out for the best. Yeah. So this They was... did that in the Conan movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. The narrator at the beginning is the sorcerer that he saves right. midway through the movie that becomes... Refers to him as master yeah. after that and it, stuff. So. People who you thought were the authority <clears throat> right. fall short. And right. it's up to you. Yeah, because he's a weird old guy that falls down and can't stand back up and stuff. <laughs> Aww, life yeah. alert. He has like a little <laughs> I fall turtle shell thing. So, so <laughs> we're introduced thing. to uh, the character as um, uh, Balarat. Yes. Um, when I asked Cliff um, what he wanted... Balarat to look like uh, he sent me like this it's anime stuff so I can post it online too but it was 
Cliff was very interested in making this cool and weird, and I was really excited that he was it the old it. man from Dra- Dragon Ball Z because that's always what I imagine. Master Roshi. Master Roshi. Or, uh, <laughs> no. yeah. um, I used in my head the image of Teferi from Magic the Gathering. Sure. Who's like this um, black uh, sage who just that's that's who I had in my head. But I don't. Anyway, moving on to the story itself. Harbeck has this vision, and I I use Harbeck a lot for these visions and the end game starts with Harbeck having a lot of these, then Ornella having a few of these and then Orzok having a few of these like weird flashbacks and dream sequences and episode eight and nine are pretty straightforward. Um, really the things of note is that, uh, Orzok chops a horse in half. Yeah. Uh, Harbeck is sad by the horse chopping. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then this is where they run into Ortic in the woods. Is yep. uh, episode yeah, nine at, towards the end of episode nine? Yep. Well, uh, towards the middle because the end is <gasps> Davery getting <laughs> stabbed. I'm real sad. Um, and it and, puts tension but, in the relationship. I think that maybe around uh, it was after, or maybe it was before we actually enter the mine, where I have the conversation with Ornella, where it's like. Orzok is a great guy, but you can't trust him. And you can't trust anyone else. You can only trust me. Because mm-hmm. we are in this together. We, we've gotten to prison together. Well, yeah. It's that thing of like, well, Orzok's the new guy. Yeah. And, and like, the- based off of everything that has happened so far, you really can't trust anyone. Right. And then, sort of, I, I mean, Jason and I talked a lot about fleshing Orzok out from basically episode seven, six or seven on. Like, was really... I kind of tasked Jason and gave him autonomy to develop and create like who his people are, like what are their customs, um, who his family is. And so a lot of this stuff was by the product of Jason's brain. Yeah, that was fun. We, uh, Paul, as, as mentioned earlier, we've been gaming a long time together and, you know, some of that is games that are designed to allow the characters to help create the world as it's happening. Some of them are not that way, but this was an experience where it was like, let's create something really unique. Let's, shatter this whole orc mystique, mm-hmm. this half orc mystique bullshit, and let's create a culture. And yeah. we did that. I what if they were just weird. like people? Yes. Like a people that and were not. This is like more like a label. So like the half orc thing turned from being half orc to being not half northerner, half southerner. You know, it's more like a No group of people would call themselves half of something. Right. They were a people. Yeah. And and that's where it all kind of changed. So it was really interesting because, you know, in all the artwork and stuff he's portrayed is clearly half-orc and, you know, very much in that kind of very mm-hmm. safe visual space for what people know. But when we were done with the show, I always envisioned him way different. Yeah. Than what, even in, in what the artwork ended up being because it changed so much even after when that finally went down the path, you know, and it was not a bad or a good thing. It's just mm-hmm. because they, he, they became a people. They became a culture, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think the designing them as a, um, like looking at it as we would view the other, and then oh, now let's humanize the other and grant uh, them agency and yeah. the ability to I- identify themselves. Again, they're like they're not half of something. Like no yeah. people would be like, well, we're half of you guys. They would no, they would be who they are. So that was a big project yeah, that Jason and I wanted to make yeah. sure we did was that like. <clears throat> These aren't a stereotypical. Well, these are these are the native the natives of this world. It's like no, these are these are just people that live down here. Right. And the, one other thing too is I've one thing I've always kind of disliked about Dungeons and Dragons is how heavy tropey it can be with certain things. How racial. Yes, and the whole idea yeah. that half orcs and half elves. Well, they're just not loved by either group, and it's like. Every misanthrope rolls the half orc or rolls the half elf because it's like, well, I want to be the moody guy that sits in the corner that no one identifies with. I was like, that's just bullshit. I've always hated that. Yep. And I like that we took that. We said, hey, the rule stat is this, but we're fucking changing that whole mystique. Yeah. I mean, again, because it's like it's trying to get away from yeah. some of the stuff that D&D doesn't do so well right. and lean into the things that it yeah. does do well. And custom like, making your game the way you want it to be after a certain fashion. That's so. still how... People felt about them that the half-orcs were misunderstood, <clears throat> their culture wasn't understood, that they were labeled. and Yeah, I mean, and then lean into that into your game, right? Right. right. Yeah. Be able to address that. No, I loved it. That was really fun for me. So 
episode nine ends with, um, you know, Ortic, who is Orzok's brother. They meet up and yeah. um, they take, they begin their journey back to the Barabundi um, village, which is where these nomadic people set up camp for a little while. And uh, on that journey, the apex predator of the southern tribes, the spine hunter, uh, and a, a famous spine hunter. No. Mm hmm. Is this the famous one? Yeah. Yeah. Azakir. First introduction, yeah. Azakir, yeah. she's like 400 years old. Yeah. Comes and stab. Oh, God. I just want to play this game now. Uh, comes <laughs> and stabs Davery through the abdomen and mm-hmm. injects her poison into Davery. So mm-hmm. now we've kind of um, <clears throat> we've set up a new little mini arc within the bigger arc. Now we got to save Davery. Now we got to save this fucking guy. <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> Who we were ready dong. to kill. Charity's ding. Oh, yeah. Nella's ding dong. Yeah. Nella's ding dong. I we ran his ass back to the village. Yeah, we did. On yeah, on the hip griff or the demi griff. Demi griff. Yeah. Yeah. That we were gifted I was by the Viscount. Holding him. Yeah. Yeah, that was. There's. It was. There was going to be this grand return, and and it all got shattered. <laughs> Davery fucked it up for me once again. It was cool because no, again, good. it it plays against type, yes. whereas like. Ah, the champion's son returning home after thought to being lost. And, right. and like, nah, your return back is complicated. It's it's very complicated, too, because we're basically bringing this long enemy directly into the heart of the people. And it's like, at the they're word like immediately of you. like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, at great. the word of you who has been gone for right. well, a and, long and time. Well, and we get... um. Orzok is fish out of water for these all these episodes that he's been in up to this point, and then we get to be the fish out of water. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was something that accidentally was so cool in the show was that we got to like turn the tables and like yeah. shows don't get to establish that all the time. Where like you either start as the fish out of water or like kind of end that way, but we sort of did this. It was like the show's kind of like in two mini arcs where yeah. it was like you two figuring things out or um, Orzok <clears throat> figuring things out. And then you two figuring things out. And then right. at the end, everyone has stuff figured out. Right. One, one thing I do want to make sure I mention is that, you know, the whole like half race thing in D&D is about these races hating each other and blah, 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 blah. The only time that he was actually truly a half of anything is when he was that moment when he first got to his village because he was half you guys and half them and neither understood him at mm-hmm. that point in the campaign, really. And I thought that was really cool. And I tried to play it that way, but it was also like, you know, there was so much so much happening. I mean, I feel like we could have done another fucking year, yeah. <laughs> you know, after that point. But, you know, we were the train was rolling. But still, but that's that's where the half that in my mind was at that point was like he is a man. He's, he's a cultural half, uh, you know, bastard or whatever you want to call right. it. Right. Because it's not it's not that you racially or half a right. person. It's that you existed like half your life in one place, half your life in another place. Right. And like when your people needed you because of reasons, because of reasons you were not there. Yep. Even though I was doing their dirty work. Right. <laughs> I mean, but, but people, right. Don't, yep. People don't know that people, are, people be dumb. People be dumb. Uh, we, we are introduced to the scale mother. Um, uh, the, uh, who turns out to be Orzok's mother. Uh, is the scale mother of the tribe, the leader of the tribe of Barabundi. Um, she, uh, th- this is kind of a, a lot of information that gets dumped on the characters and the audience as a whole. And I, I really liked that it felt so different, that there were it's words that were used. a little bit of culture used, shock. Yeah, definitely. Words that were used that you guys didn't necessarily understand. Languages and conversations happened in languages that were that excluded right. people intentionally sometimes um we get the uh the, learn the role of the speaker of yeah. akish yeah which is the person who interprets kind of uh is the the spiritual leader of the tribe but also like the medicine person yeah right right um and then the nest which is where the history of the people so this that I, was fucking cool man oh man this idea i had for a while and wanted to put in a game there's a there's a game called oh Frostbitten and Mutilated is a rule system by the Lamentations of the Flame Princess publishers. And their books are always weird, grotesque, and fucked up. And in that rule system, instead of uh, paper, people use snakes. 
and that's just the way it is. No one thinks it's weird. It's just the way it is. And I always thought that was so evocative because snakes are like these long and they have these intricate patterns on them. Um, why, why couldn't they be used? And if this tribe kind of has like a snake vibe going on, yeah, sort of works. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's where that idea came from. Very it was, cool. It was really cool. Thanks. Well, and I like that it was living history. Yeah. Right. They're alive. Yeah. Or, or they like were tradition. alive and they were kept alive. And it was like, as long as we can keep this alive, our culture is alive. It's like a, an actual, like direct interpretation the of most that. sacred thing that they could have is like their his, the history living of the history inscribed of on which brings us closest to solving this world and figuring out what the story is right mm-hmm. right because it's in that stuff somewhere so uh moving on to episode 10 heal davery slash slash meet with viscount um so at this point we had uh decided that we were going to do a finale and we were in the early stages of preparing for that, finding a space, doing an Indiegogo to pay for stuff. Again, anyone thank that contributed, you. thank you so much. Thank you so much. That thank you so much. Rad AF. I can't believe the amount of money people gave a bunch of weirdos to do. Insane. We're talking through that money right now. Yes, we are. Thank you. Thank you. You gave us this. And I mean, really, all of what we're doing now is a direct result of the support we got yeah, from people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. All these other shows, this equipment. Yeah, I mean, literally, the it kind of goes to show how things like this, the, theatrical projects, artistic... I mean, that's why I think this is, like, to be a little hoity-toity for a second, this is closer to art than I think it is to playing a game. Yeah. Because storytelling, I learned through doing this show, is really therapeutic for me. Um, but from hearing from people to listen to it, people got something out of it, which yeah. was very strange awesome. to hear... There, I've I've heard several stories from people that listen to the show that got something important to themselves from this show. So definitely, that's fucking crazy to me. We, it was so weird to hear that hmm. the first time from someone. Again, not to we're not that great. We're just a bunch of schmucks. But schmucks, we for need show. to recognize and be grateful. And you know, we did a cool thing, you dudes. You dudes. You dudes. You dudes. You did the cool thing, you dudes. So episode 10, <laughs> Healing Davery, Meet with a Viscount. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are at the point where uh, the speaker uh, tells the group that, um, asks the group specifically, what was the color of the hunter's face? Uh, and the color of the spine hunter's face indicates how old it is, and yeah. however old it is is how deadly the poison is. Yeah. Deep red or something, if Orange, I remember. Yeah. Right. yeah, crimson. Crimson, yeah. Uh, Scale Mother, uh, Scale Mother meets and decides that we can't spare any medicine for this northerner. He is to die. And or is, again, this is like establishing. We got to establish Harbeck and Ornella several episodes earlier. We're kind of having to condense and catch Orzok up as a character. Right. So we kind of get to give Orzok a lot of these moments to develop here in the South. Yeah, and it was well, he's part of us. We're going, you know. Sorry. Um sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yep. You know. So Yeah, it, it, yeah. No, go ahead. No, it was it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, we kind of established that Orzak was helping and te- you know, kind of try. So it's like, okay, Ornella cares for this person. She's probably going to make a bad decision at some point because of this person. <laughs> I need to make this person reliable and mm-hmm. self-reliant and a man. Mm-hmm. No one else is going to do it. So I'm going to do it. And that's oh. what Orzak does, you know, and yep. it's like teaching him to be something. Yep. So. So y'all head out to the spire to get the sky leaf. Yes, and the grit serpent organs. Yes. So vital components. Uh, all of this stuff was a part of the lore that Jason and I had written like weeks ago, and we we get to engage with, which is always fun. A lot of weird names, a lot of weird words. The fight atop the spire Man. is nuts. That's Azakir, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's when I cut his horn off. The great hunter. And yeah, and I was gonna finish him and Harbeck was like, bitch, hold on. We had established that Harbeck does not like, does not appreciate cutting horses in half. Correct. <laughs> and correct. So we get the 
that Harvick likes animals. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect opportunity for Harvick to communicate the lesson that the person that you perceive as your enemy is not always just coming from a place of evil, Mm -hmm. that it's a survival instinct and that that's just the game that you're playing. But it's not a reason why the rules can't change. And being able to tame Azak here and spend time with him, I really appreciate the players being able to give me that space in the episode yeah. and well, to you explore were, that. You were kind of, you know, be- between DM and player, we're yeah. sort of struggling to like find Harbeck's. It had felt like, and I kind of agree with your sentiment, that it had felt like Ornella and Orzok both had very grounded yeah. motivation. Yeah. That was really, you know, and to Harbeck engage too with it. Lofty, too ideal, right? You know, so you're like, how do I, how do I apply these values to real world decisions? And I think you did what Tim always does, <laughs> and you just leaned into a choice as hard as you can. Yeah, you know, double you, down. Yeah, you. I mean, you did, but that worked, and uh, you split the party. Yeah, which. You know, I've been able to, you know, I spend more time in Dungeons & Dragons circles now and forums and subreddits and stuff like that. And, like, that's not something you do. You don't do that. You don't do that. Yeah. But and we're, a, we're stuck in that right now in our game off camera, too, where yes. you've split the party. Yeah, well, it's just because I couldn't show up to a session. <laughs> well, but yeah, that's a different thing. I mean, But yeah. there was a major event that happened. Yes. And the result of it wasn't keen between the players right and i think that naturally your character would have and i think it makes sense space yeah Yeah. Yeah, my character in this other game um is a warlock and i play it like a drug addict and this god is my drug and i've been cut off from my drug so and that was a direct result of a choice that i had made right so i'm dipping into cross addiction and isolating myself (laughs) and that's just kind of what that character would do i think Mm -hmm. so but with with this it was sort of similar that we're we've um been exposed to the outermost arc we know what the grandest stakes of the story are and now my character who is a cleric who worships an ideal is forced to face what that value that ideal represents actually means and what what does that mean for my character? If I'm going to pursue this to the end, if I am a devout, you know, zealot mm-hmm. or uh, whatever, that what 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 do I do then? How do I chase that value and un, and honor whatever that thing is? So, uh, this is where we get the transition from domains from yeah. life to tempest, and um, it's Harbeck's opportunity to find out what are you really about? What are you? What's what's the real metal? Because yeah. I feel like for Orzok, he has gone through the wars. He knows that you know he's a hard ass bad motherfucker who will fuck you up, and he's a uh, he he is. And like we get at this point to like experience the Bariabundi and where he's coming from and what he draws power from, and we have Ornella and her royal family and what they're about and where she is drawing power from, but. Harbeck is kind of this uh, a little still nebulous, a little bit yeah. still um, uh, caricature-y. Yeah, now that you say that, I think it's your choice because I I trusted you Thanks, buddy. when you made the choice anyway. It was but so this, fun. This makes it way more clear to me where that choice came from, right. and that makes a lot of sense to me. And honestly, it gave me a reason and an excuse to give a lot more context to the cosmology of the world right right which i think ended up helping the show in I general think so a lot because so, we get to that ending eventually and we need to know how that works oh so, uh, so good if harbeck is worshiping something for real where does that come from what is the power yep well and again like it's risky to split the party but I, yeah. all of us have played together yeah we had that Great bonding experience. At this point, I think we really get good at this is your scene, this is this scene, these are these, this permutation, this is this relationship. There's just so much improv in the show. So much. Like between two person scene. Yeah. Now we've got a a walk on scene. Yeah. We've got a group game. I mean, it's without getting too. Uh, stupid. (laughs) A little inside baseball. What are you saying? But I mean, those things. Are things for a reason, and we applied them here, and it worked. I think so. I hope so. Uh, It did. Um, Jumping into episode 10, episode 10 is where we get a really 
in my opinion, excellently written piece <laughs> that precedes the episode about what is happening in Alal. Mm-hmm. And that there is this breakdown, a continued breakdown of the social fabric. We see uh, the queen unable to trust much of anyone. And this is where Sandbridge's betrayal is come is yeah, brought to we've, life. We've gone full into Baraboondi and into the world of the, the, the half-orc and what that really means. And then we come back and yep. we get that uh, little bit of exposition. Charity I is... just have to stand up, okay? It's fine. <laughs> These chairs hurt my ass so bad. <laughs> this is something I, I was hoping to get to maybe later, but like we're, we're talking about the plot and the characters, but the, the other thing that we needed to talk about in honor is just ourselves and the burping and the fidgeting <laughs> and the drinking and like all of the stuff that we, the players are doing that has become games in themselves. Oh and, yeah. Yep. In a, what the fuck am I trying to say? Uh, <laughs> I didn't even drink anything. Um, ongoing jokes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I was trying to say. Uh, yeah. But like, we gotta do something about these chairs. I, I feel like at this point we we'd gone to Gary Khan. We had kind of figured each other out, felt each other out, and now we're really playing we each really other's felt, games. Felt like we get candy is important, booze is important, pretzels, pretzels, pretzels are important. Yeah, fucking pretzels, man. Yeah. We at this point we've discovered that Paul and I are entirely too similar. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Shipping. It's a problem. So this is much this is a, a, the time in the games where I started telling people that we needed to start 30 minutes earlier than we really <laughs> needed to start. I, I always know, underestimate no, how long and it takes here, to get And here, here we are starting 30 minutes late, late yet, yet again. again. <laughs> at least Tim and I showed up late at the same time. <laughs> Fortuitous. <laughs> oh, I just both threw up. Jesus Christ! The the burping, the whoppers, whoppers, rolled golds. Yeah, I mean, these are the kinds of things you're playing D and D with your friends. Yeah, you're going to have these things that, Mm -hmm. like, you you know, they're not directly a part of the story, but they are entirely a part of how that story gets told. Yeah, and and they certainly color the experience um i think of the time we were laughing we were laughing so hard that we were crying in at the gary con uh episode seven recording like at you idiots letting me talk to myself yes (laughs) while we basically danced and shimmied shaking our tummies yeah God. It was great. So, I mean, all of that matters. Yeah. <laughs> For like minutes on end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I came out of the bathroom and you guys were doing that. Yeah. And I was just joined and in. You, yep. Yeah. You just, you took a moment. Like, okay. To look at what was happening. And immediately you were like. All right. <laughs> yeah. Truffle shuffle. <laughs> so, uh, episode 10 ends with the party getting what they need to cure Davery possibly and with yes. Harbeck going off on his own with yes. a monster. A monster, yes. The great hunter. Yeah. Episode 11 is cool because um, I got to hang out with Cliff and Tim. Yes, yeah. that was so fun. This was a, w- did we all have the day off? This yeah. was like a weekday that yeah, we it did was. this. It was like a Wednesday. We were at your house, in your basement. I'm going to take this opportunity to pee because I, uh, I'm not in this episode. Great. Please, please go. Jesus. Please go. <laughs> we had kind of established the, like, dream flashback sort of mechanism. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so we see Balarat the Mighty fighting off a torrent of crab preachers. Lightning shoots yeah. from his hand, and he sends waves of force out into the onslaught. He teleports back and forth from different positions. Positions preventing the crab preachers from completely surrounding him. Eventually, a demon prince, 15 feet tall, wielding a large, gnarled blade, casts aside the other crab preachers. Balarat, I have come for your head in the name of my father, Lord of the 77th Mask. Balarat shoots arcing globules of lava and fire into the pitted green and pink flesh of the demon prince, exploding harmlessly off his unmade skin. Basically, we come to find that Balarat has been fighting these forces for some time now. Right. And then we come to face down in the snow. Yes. Yeah. Again. Again. That damn thing. 
Yes. It was fun because it was uh, it was a fun device to bring back. Yes, it was. Because it felt familiar, but in the same, you could change the context of it every time. Right. And, and using the sensory experience to change scenes, being able to throw me into the snow and create that detail. So oh, that, this again. Because I remember again. after the, the third time, it was like this again. Yes. You could, I think your direct quote. <laughs> yeah. I love it because it's like you fast, it's like, okay, you know... You can. It's like you're, you. You set the tone. You can say that all this weird shit's happening, but then because it's a, a repeat, it's like you can skip. You can play the top unnecessary of your Yeah, you're right. You're like all of a sudden. Well, I'm just. You know how to fucking deal with this first part. Blah blah blah. Right. You know, yeah. It's like, it's fuck, like fuck, Groundhog fuck. Day. Yes. Where yeah. Where like the first part yep. of Groundhog Got Day it. exactly is you like get better. Forty five minutes, and then each. I had Day. a feeling the next time if he had another snow event, he was just gonna smash the clock with a hammer. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like fuck this thing. <laughs> So this episode, Tim, I mean, it's just you and Cliff and me. Yeah. What was that like to kind of, because this episode seemed unimportant, but in the grand scheme of the narrative of the show was vitally important to establishing who people were, who the major players were, and how that could or would resolve. Yeah, I think this set up the final arc of the show. I yeah, think uh, for sure. And this was the I think the first and only time that we had Cliff for a recording session. Yep. Because he would record on the intros on his own. Yep. But this is the first time we had him at the table and he was really playing. And Cliff and I are both huge fans of anime. <laughs> yes. And being able to borrow those fantasy elements was a huge part of our play. And like you can tell right away with Cliff that he's using certain powers and showing you how they work, and and kind of um, using those anime tropes and like the the levels of reveal, so that you can get a sense of his power. And we start off with that battle, and then we get a little more and a little more. And the fact that he sort of engineered the situation where uh, Harbeck shows up in the snow in this vision, so that he can tell him something important. Yep. And. Uh, Playing with Cliff is always so fun. It's so fun. One of the best memories I have with Cliff was a Chowdown show where he was Stevie Wonder and I was the Predator. <laughs> and we fought each other. Nice. And oh, I remember that. Oh, it was so good. And and we like we I think that we both borrow from the same well of cultural touchstones. We both really like anime and the tropes and the structure of that. And so at this point in the show, it's episode uh, 11. 11. And so we're not far from the end. And we had had all of these uh, moments up till now where, and like Harbuck, Harbeck had his solo episode. And he's faced with uh, the limit of his powers and what he can accomplish by himself. And Cliff shows up, and I have this memory. And it's a good way for the audience to catch up and figure out what the the stakes are again. Um, I, I wish I wish Cliff was here for the recording. Um, so I, I would love to know what it what it was for him. Um, but for me, for and I think for Harbeck, it was this was also the same episode where we actually find out like the name of my goddess, Kira. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 what Harbeck is about, right? It's it's a moment where he goes out into the woods to have a spiritual encounter. And he couldn't do that with the party around. That's a personal endeavor where you have to look within and figure out what you're about and what you're going to do. And we got to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative that Harbeck could have that time Mm -hmm. and space to, uh, to change because there was a change and, and and to explore what's your motivation. What are you, what's, what's in this for you? What keeps you going? What what are your stakes? It was just such a fun way to, man. I mean, it just made it so easy for me to add depth to the world without, again, feeling like showing and not telling. Yeah, like we got to show what things are instead of, and then you, and then it is the sky is purple, and there yeah. are these gods, and yeah. the yeah. gods are intervening gods, yeah. like the. It, 
Because that was the thing. You like, get that. You get the the greater like meta world that is operating on and 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 those stakes. But it's it's all related to this this man's personal journey with his faith and the things that he cares about that are terrestrial, that are yeah. real, real people. And it, he, he draws his power from this abstract thing, but he ultimately cares about the creatures and the people of this world. Yep. Yep. It was, uh, it was really, it was a really fun experiment and I'm glad, I mean, you were really nervous about like, Oh, I don't know I if was. I should have like done that. Yeah. And I, Splitting the party. It was one of the things. But it's all about trusting your improv partners to like know the game and like we'll work this out. I yeah. mean, right? Fuck yeah. We worked it out. It was fine. And in fact, I arguably it made the last half of the show fucking epic because yeah. when you came back with Azakir right. as a Tempest oh my cleric God. shooting lightning, that was so fucking It was great. Cool. I had so much fun. Oh, doing that was that. sick as fuck. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to go to my probably my second favorite episode, oh, episode man. 12. Mine too. Um, and it starts off with the uh, vision of the blood sun yes. with Orzok. Oh, yeah. Yes. Again, we're we're diving deeper into the cosmology and like what is the outermost sphere? How much can we define? Right. This was after playing a lot of Dark Souls that I came up with this <laughs> idea because Dark Souls totally. there's a lot of um, circularity to the world, um, the sun, the world of Cinder. Um, there's a lot of elements to that, but Orzok, tell us a little bit about like what that kind of lore meant to Orzok as a character, and maybe um, I don't know what what did you see when when well, I described that sort of stuff. Well, so the whole thing is that our culture, the culture is so wrapped around the this great serpent that basically gave its body to create the Which, the what, world. What a beautiful to live on, you know, uh, origin story for a cosmology. What it, I mean, the 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 image of the snake and the symbol of rebirth and right. like Ouroboros. Yes. Those are exactly. common, you know, tropes, but they it's it's such a a perfect way of encapsulating of completely wrapping up all the loose ends. Yeah. Right, exactly. That was it. Was the idea like like Tim mentioned the Ouroboros is the you know, you've got the snake that eats itself. It's mm-hmm. this continuation that the thing continues on its own. But the re- the thing is we all like to look at that imagery and conceptualize, oh yeah, and ev- n- everything's never ending. <clears throat> but no one's that we know of ever lived through an ending and right. a rebirth. Right. And I was like considering this whole thing of this message that like would Orzok try to help his people choose rebirth or would they cling to what they have? And I hadn't, couldn't make up my mind until that scene where the fucking snake came up and started so great, Paul eating the sun. And those things were trying to kill the snake. And I, my, the cultural heritage of his people are so directly tied to the snake that he was like, I know, exactly I know what, what I have about. to do. Yep. And, uh, if I can compare yep. and I, I tend to do this with stories, but it's not to belittle it at all. But the 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 Matrix episode, the the third movie, mm-hmm. you get to speak with the architect, and you find oh, out yeah. that Neo is the sixth incarnation yeah, the, of this uh, thing, yep. and you get that choice of do you restart everything or do you try to save the person you love, and the the snake and the idea of the birth of the universe in that way that it's like it was a painful birth that mm-hmm. like it was a struggle and a fight and that this good versus evil that we are a part of that it's a fantasy melodrama this is D&D oh yeah you know but very but 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 you get to be there at the moment where that schism is made where right. the divide is made. And then you get to be then you get to choose at a visceral level. Do you identify with the snake or do you identify with the beguiler? Like right. what are you about? And that was also part of it for me was Who's to say that that's bad? Yeah. You know, it's like this idea that we all fear the end of something, but the beginning of something and beautiful. It's like I'd rather It's like the devil you know versus the devil Tabula you know. Rasa, yeah. baby. Yeah. Let's wipe the slate clean. And it's like there's no way on earth that that a uh, that an Orzok and his people would want to live in a world that may be safe, 
but is controlled by manipulation. Right. What would that culture be like? Yeah. It would be like a law. His people sort of gets just gradually ground into non-existence. Right. And it's like, at least this way, we know we are of the people at the birth of this But you understand where you come from. Right. And we know it's real. It's like literally being given the chance to see your belief as reality. Like, talk about if you had, if you were a believer in some sort of, whether it's religious or spiritual belief system, and you actually could see it for real. Yeah. I mean, that's really kind of what it was. Uh, so it's like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't zealot-ish. It was more like, yeah. no, I'm confirmed that my people are, are a great people, and right. we believe in the right thing, and we're just going to make sure that we we this happens, you know? Yeah. So Which episode is this, 12? Episode 12. This I was have important. this under episode 14. Oh, wow. I have it written in here, episode 12, Blood Sun, June 16th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was Weird. important for Orzok. It was and my the, vision. The heels yeah, of I, Harbeck Orbeck, uh, and his vision. religious vision. Right. And then and then the only person left is Ornella, who uh, is noble-born and is unsure of her oh, trajectory yeah. and all this and her destiny. But, like, yeah. Orzok is clear on where his people come from yep. and where it's heading and uh, Harbeck is reaffirmed with his uh, meeting with his deity and realignment of domain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Ornella is, is there and is like the, the last person to really answer the question of like, what are you about? Yep. How are we going to end this? I think uh, something that this episode does really well is it creates a sense of scale to the conflict as yeah. a whole. Be, uh, mm. I had just played, so this, <laughs> this episode's uh, tie-in to Paul's life was I had just finished playing the new God of War on PlayStation PS4. And right. uh, if anyone hasn't played it, you should, because it is literally, I think, the best game I've ever played. It's like hmm. up there as like the second or first best it game It does I've something ever that I really appreciate, which is comparative mythology. You start with the God of War character who is based off of a Greek, Hellenistic mm-hmm. sort of world and apply him to the Norse mythology, which was geographically isolated, but mm-hmm. has a totally, yeah. you, you have so many points of parallelism that you can compare that hero archetype too mm. and does such a good job i mean it's, there's, it's so badass there's a scene in the game and uh i'm not going to spoil it too much i mean it's all over the promotional material yeah. where Jorger, the Jorgen, Jorgen Mander, the big snake the yeah. world, the oh, world yeah, yeah, serpent. Yeah, yeah right the world serpent is a, Which is a, is character a thing, in, a character uh, in the game yeah and um you see this snake body along a ridge line and you're float you're like rowing a boat in this lake and then all of a sudden the body moves and you see the shape of this huge i mean a snake that is defies scale right and the water level dips down because the snake has been mm. its volume has created a right, right, right. higher sea level and the snake comes up to you and it's so loud and it speaks with a tone of bass that makes like it doesn't come out of your speakers it only comes out of your subwoofer it's right. so it low rattles and your body i mean i can't talk enough about how cool this that fucking game is but right. that's it's totally so, cemented the idea of this this the snake as a symbol serpent. of the material and of of uh particle masses and and that that it's of the world, it's of the soil. I mean, if you think about it evolutionarily, right? Like we were monkeys in trees, and guess what else was in trees? Fucking snakes. Like right. the idea of a dragon is an amalgamation of like big cats and snakes, and like Fuck. the chimera and things like that. It's a primordial fear, but it's also in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It's the snake yep. that gives us the gift of knowledge, and it's such an important part in all cross mythologies because it. I mean, it it slithers, it moves, mm-hmm. right? It's got a Snake face, but become, it, it it's winds. before all of us, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Literally, an evolutionary step. It I absolutely mean, was there before, right? And it's it's one of our natural predators. So we have to honor it because it's the thing that can end our life. And making it the gift of life, making it the thing that bears all life on a law, 
that's such a beautiful juxtaposition of like death and life and the cycle of those things. I know for Harbeck, who was in the life domain, that that was a big change. That like, if you really worship life, if you're about the life domain, what is life really? It's also death. Right. And the the idea of the Ouroboros, the snake consuming itself, that it's this cycle. And the same thing with the Matrix, right? That there were like multiple matrices before this, and that yep. you're the sixth. That it's a cycle of things, but. This event ends that cycle, that these gods supersede this process that you have just become aware of, but that you ultimately have been playing into your entire life, that you felt like these were the stakes, you were playing that game that I set That's up for you. That's why I think Greek mythology is so fun, because it's oh, like, yeah. man, like monotheism and all of these other like modern theisms are so boring. Missing out. Like the the Greek mythology of like intervening gods that would fuck other people that would literally take form. Yeah. Well, in some of that stuff, there are humans that rise to challenge them and actually change their arc and trajectory. If you track it, you're not a servant as much as a tool, but also you can sometimes you're the, you're, you supersede that, you know? And whereas in, like you said, in these monotheistic beliefs, they don't have that. It's like, Commanded on high. And oh, it's so it's boring. been um, it is boring. Abstracted, <laughs> and not, extrapolated, and not um, <laughs> derived from those things. Because like the original gods, like Sumeria, like you had Gilgamesh. He was the original hero, right? And yeah. his whole thing was he wanted to be immortal. He didn't want to die. Like all of us, we want to be immortal some way. And hence this podcast. Exactly right. <laughs> and so the god figure went from a figure who was the sun and a symbol of life and adopted the storm gods uh, attributes. I need to know more about these other gods, but I also I want us to stay on track and at least yes. get a little bit further. So <laughs> good luck. No, it's it's well, I'll diverge it's, it's every beautiful. time. Well, we've I love got it. time. Um, we've got, uh, Man, it's for us. So I think we it. get the God yeah, killer in that episode, the spear. Yes. Yeah. That's where you get the spear. Yes. Um, God and killer. we, we define my goddess. Life. We figure out what my acorn is about. Well, and the, your goddess gives her life is, over. Yeah, she this, does. This is episode 11, right? I think so. 11 or 12. Jesus. 11 is when you were with, uh, Ballarat, Ballarat. Yes. and the tree. And 12. That's right. 12. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So what happens to, to cement episode 11 in like the conversation we've been having having <laughs> for a little while but Apologize. no you're good you're good this what this is all about so um what happens is kira gives herself uh gives away her uh domain over nature and paul you're someone who tries to create representation for female characters in narrative and so creating the goddess character and having her give up her life what was that like for you playing the npc it, I mean, I think it's important to have uh, heroes that are not typical. Like in most stories, they're repre- they look heroes look like how I look, and it's I always try to fight and not always successfully. Sometimes successfully, but uh, creating characters that don't look like me that can be heroes um, that can be can make heroic choices and can save the day, and they don't have to be dudes right and uh like making a goddess character of nature to me makes sense because you look at the history of like yeah nature gods and spirits demeter have always been like sort of female archetypes because of their ability to give and take life of life yeah Yeah. and but i think it was cool to throw her spirit into a machine of murder and, and I didn't death. have any of that prepped. I no. didn't know the goddess. We just did that name. on the fly, <laughs> which is, I mean, speaks to how fun D and D is. Absolutely. Um, Next episode. No, well, I and to to put a button no. on that, uh, the Kira's gift is to embody and give life to Azakir as yes. like not really a spine hunter anymore, but this great. Uh, creature of nature and yeah. to give you a weapon that could theoretically kill a demon, uh, the God killer spear, which comes from the tree of, I, th- I think this is the order of events comes from the tree of life that yeah. you discover in the woods. In the, yeah. in the queen's garden. Yes. Right. Um, and that Balarat then replaces Kira as the God of nature right. so that nature does not disintegrate. Right. Is sort of the yeah. idea. As long as there is a god or a entity that exists that embodies this energy, that this stuff can it can exist. Um, so then, yes, Balarat's alive at the end. Tell me, 
That's episode 11. Episode 11 is Cliff and Tim. Yo. And yeah. Paul. Yep. So then episode 12, you do not come back until the end. Right. Because Jason and I, Harbeck and or Orzak and Ornella, are still... <clears throat> I th- we're still trying to get back yeah. to Davery. Yep. Because that's when we run into something that makes you come back. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's like dragon. Ri- it's dragon rider. The dragon comes back. rider. The dragon rider comes back, or maybe we make it to Davery. Yeah, they're attacking the village. The dragon guys were attacking the 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 camp. Yeah, yep. and you did not have your vision when it was just the two of us. Oh, okay. You had your vision when it was all three of us. So you. No. So you're. So that happens later. So remember, we go to um, the 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 other tribes' city, and it's on the it's on the flight back from. Oh that. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we have to go and rescue. So first you heal Davery. So yeah. you come uh, yeah. back and heal and then Davery first. We, I, I say, basically the idea is we have to unite the peoples mm-hmm. to try to gather, because we've got this force that's coming. But that doesn't happen either. That's episode Well, let's not get to, sure. yeah, at yeah. this point, it's Order just of operations. Art. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, that, because we have the battle with... Uh, the guy who killed your dad. The first legion. Yeah, in in the city, the the one group that actually makes the really good armor. Tosric. The, the Tosrics. Yeah, yep. yeah. We, we have to we go there. Battled him in the Tosric camp. In their in the main city. city, they had a dome city on top of the mountain. Remember? That's where we battled that. Yeah. Guy? That's where yeah. Orzok the, fights. Because that was the like fucking four hour. Yeah. Yes. Straight combat. Yeah, that's yeah, basically right episode fourteen, I think. Yeah. 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 With the Vulfin. All... Yeah, it's a Vulfin. Yes, the Vulfin. The Vulfin. The dogs. Yeah, the okay, crossbows. Okay, okay, okay. That was an interesting tactical fight because we had, they had range, they had pet clasp, the destruction going. Yeah, <laughs> the saw. So- oh god. <laughs> well, okay, but dude, I because yeah. in that episode, cool. Ornella has the flashback to when she burned down all those people's farms. Yes, and that was the kind That's of right. we got a glimpse into Ornella's like good versus evil. Yes. Yeah. So episode twelve is where the scale mother um, meets the Viscount. So this is the episode yeah. where Davery is healed. The next thing to do is the Viscount has been heading south for a yeah. while. Get everyone together. Right. This is where, you know, tensions are sort of high because, like, no one really trusts each other. And the Scale Mother is very doubtful of the Northerners' intentions. Yes. And the Northerners, in a show of good faith, yeah. tell the Scale Mother that there is an attack currently being made on the Tosric city of... Uh, Katir. Katir, Yes. And that he has been, his uh, army has been tasked with covering a flank so that if anyone escapes, they are to cut them down as and they they're going to let us in. Yeah. Right, and right, use that right. group to help um, us get as Escape, many out as yeah. we can. So you guys uh, montage riding um, the, oh, what are the? Takari. The Takari, yeah. Montage ride Takari. Across the desert and up the, the flank of the cliff and then yeah. all into the city. And yeah, that was fucking badass yeah we were on the rooftops for a while yeah so and that's how we were stealthing around as we were like jumping from rooftop to rooftop and we saw the we saw the way they were systematically cleaning out the different segments of the city and that's the episode where beforehand paul was like don't split up fight strategically (laughs) this is going to be a big battle and what do we do immediately Immediately. Um, (laughs) so episode 13 wolves at the door is uh actually when you take the takari and Go into the city. Yes. Um, and this is, yeah, this is where oh, you guys kind of split up tactics episode. and figure out how to, like, this district over here, we found some people in hiding and then got them over into the main. Um, yeah, this is the first time we had a grid mat. Yes, the first mm-hmm. time the entire game that I'm like, mm, there's going to be a lot of stuff, so let's just use a map. Yep. Um, so you, the, uh, the Tosric are sort of governed by this group called the circle, which are these yep. circle yes. of mages that use the pharaoh, which is this material um, that amplifies magic and uh, arcane energies and um, use it to do cool things. And so they ask you to go out into the city and rescue as many as they can so they can escape. Yep. The uh, escape, uh, you Escape-y. rescue a few of them. And the episode ends... Well, no. I guess the the episode ends with you getting people out um, to the circle. I come back. Harbeck comes back mm. with the new domain. Before yeah, you that, create the storm. Yes. Yep, before that. So we see, we get a flashback to, and it's the 99th Legion is what they're called. Yeah. Uh, Grigori is the gnarly Grigori, dude. Grigori, yeah. 
That's the son of a bitch. They're, they're executing um, citizens, sealed. and you can see he's got like this sort of corrupted sort of bloodlust about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then we cut bag. to you guys fighting in the streets, and then cut over to Harbeck yeah. atop the great Azakir fucking dropping thunderbolts. Your tiny little dwarf body on this right? big ass dragon thing. Oh, I fucking love it. Absolutely. And just dropping bombs rain. and murdering Literally. fools. Boom. And then the episode ends with all of you like, oh, hey. And then <laughs> yeah, the episode ends, but we have an epilogue of Ornella's flashback. Um, so this is where we see, no, I, that's the start of the next episode. You're right. So more okay. on Ornella's flashback. After these commercial messages, we've got like two or three episodes left. So we're just going to crush it out in a quick next, sure. next part. Stick around. Is everyone okay. cool? Chair bear? Uh, yeah. I have probably have like a hard out at 4.30. Okay, yeah, We're we'll good. we'll make that, no problem. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be I right back. I got a hard out. Tell me about it. It's my penis. <laughs>